Hello and welcome to the Profitable Brands Podcast with me, Rebecca, owner of Sugar Branded Branding Agency. We help beauty businesses harness the power of branding so they can grow their client base and earn more money. Nadia, I have been wanting to have you on here for ages, haven't I? I think I must have asked you months ago. Yes, I know. And I was really looking forward to being on here and discussing um, my journey and obviously how you fitted in with Hair Loving and myself. Yeah, so Nadia and I have been working together for, must be coming up to three years now on her hair oils brand, Hair Loving. Um, some of you might have seen me share it on my story a few times, um, but they are absolutely amazing hair oil blends um that suit different stages of life and are unisex it's an amazing product um but I brought Nadia on here because she has a long journey of entrepreneurship um Nadia I'm gonna let you take the floor and explain where you began in the beauty industry and how you kind of got to this point that you're at now Sure, no problem. So I've been a hair and makeup artist and trainer for the last over a decade. So it's coming up to 12 and a half years now since I've been doing that. I um, started off um, doing this as part time as a hair and makeup artist. I kind of fell into that. And then I thought I'm going to give up my day job after a couple of years of being a hair and makeup artist and really focus on doing the six, seven days that I was getting business. I was having to turn down work as a makeup artist. Um, And then I discovered that I would then be good at teaching because I started to teach here and there um, Mm -hmm. in hair and makeup. I then opened up my training academy, had it Babtac accredited, which meant that the certificates that were given to the students would qualify them for getting jobs behind the counters, getting discounts at the lowest level of course as well. Um, And then setting up their own training academies or setting up as a business, as a hair and makeup artist themselves. I would love to know, Nadia, sorry to interrupt you, but before I forget, how did you stumble into your makeup career? Because you're so good at it. And I didn't know it was like something that you hadn't always done. So how did you stumble into the industry? My best friend, who no longer does it anymore because she's a, a hotshot accountant, um, <laughs> she, for the biggest companies in the world, actually, um, she was a hair and makeup artist. She was very, very successful. And where she was all the way in Swindon, she would get um, work in different parts of London, where I'm East London based. She said, you're so good at doing your own makeup. You know, you started doing your makeup at uni before anybody else did. And why don't you come and assist me? And why don't you learn yourself? And I looked at her and I thought, you're having a laugh, aren't you? Anyway, that was all literally history. I went to see her doing a bride who was also somebody that both of us knew anyway. Mm -hmm. And the way that she did it so gracefully, I, I still didn't think I would become a hair and makeup artist and trainer. I then, um, did a little bit of training with her I was quite good at it according to her and some other friends and I stumbled across somebody on Facebook on a Facebook group who wanted somebody to help her do her makeup for a wedding coming up the day that I went to her she knew that I wasn't that confident or that um, experienced in terms of business as a hair and makeup artist but as soon as I'd finished from her she sent me over to another house which was her Mm sister-in-law's and then there was a queue of two other women in that house that said can you do my hair and makeup 
And that's how the story began. I started to learn from other hair and makeup artists, um, those specializing in those specifics as well. So hairstylists and makeup artists um, gave up my job as well as an estate agent because mm. I wasn't able to do the Saturdays as a hair and makeup artist, which is the most busiest day mm. um, for us. And I basically never looked back. So you had to make a decision, like obviously to leave your estate agent job. What was it like making that kind of leap to be, was... were you a self-employed estate agent as well or were you? Employed? No, I wasn't self-employed. I was an employed estate agent. And then I went back part-time after I had my son. Um, and the plan was to go into a particular branch. I didn't get that branch. In order to progress in that career, I would have had to work up until a certain time. And now, of course, I start you know when you're a hair and makeup artist you can start all the hours under the sun very unsociable yeah. <laughs> but at that time I wasn't passionate about the estate agency anymore mm -hmm. so me thinking I'd go back part-time after having the baby mm -hmm. of course when the hair and makeup career came along that all went out of the window because by yeah. then gradually my son was like nursery age anyway mm -hmm. so I've worked really really hard um I've done sort of 1 a.m 3 a.m starts consistently over weekends mm -hmm. um, it's been very very difficult um but here we are <laughs> yeah but that's kind of like you know that's what it takes to get to the level that you're at doesn't it it's really yeah. hard work in the beginning so well it always is hard work when you have Everything your own business is, yeah. especially like being a mum as well mm -hmm. so you obviously built up your career in hair and makeup you started training at what point did you decide okay I want to go ahead and like launch a product so I used to get asked about um, what to do about hair loss uh, it could be all the way from the bride's mum -hmm. who may have gone through cancer treatment or menopausal hair loss through to the sisters who'd gone through post-pregnancy hair loss through the to the partners and the dads who'd gone through beard or receding hairlines um, and I thought well there's got to be something out there for them mm -hmm. so I formulated my first my very first um, hair oil which is very similar to the current bestseller that we have mm -hmm. although that's now manufactured in a factory in London um, and I sold 100 units out of the back of my car going on my rounds doing my clients my friends my family mm -hmm. school mums and um, I think about a year or two later, I'd done a formulation um, course as well, a diploma, mm -hmm. with the view to get this all legally up and running and make sure I know what the regulations are mm -hmm. within the cosmetics and hair care industry. Um, that then was about to launch just pre-COVID, pre the first lockdown. And I was advised by a business advisor not to launch. We don't know what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, you know, business there's question marks over old yet alone new businesses and there was a knock on the door and one of the school mums came to drop my son off or pick my son up I can't remember and she said right that's enough we're going into lockdown in a day or two I've had enough this is my time I'm going to focus on myself mm -hmm. my well-being and I'm going to just look after my skin and hair and in that, I thought, right, I think we're on to something. Maybe she was sent from God above to my door. <laughs> As a <laughs> sign. I was like, the website's ready to go and we won't launch. So mm -hmm. I, um, we did launch then and never really looked back since. So we've got... Yeah, you've been so products. busy, haven't you, with hair loving? I know even since we've worked together, you've had like your pop-ups in John Lewis 
um Try, you've been yeah. doing so much so many events and things like that which have been amazing um what would be sort of like what's been your biggest learning curve so far of like launching your product I think the frightening the most frightening thing for me even though I'm still not quite where I want to be is I look at anyone that's setting up a new business and I do worry about them I worry about their finances and I worry Mm -hmm. about the fact that anybody can tell you anything when you're beginning Mm -hmm. and setting up shop or setting up a product and you might think oh I really need it the fear Mm -hmm. of FOMO kicks in and you end up spending a ton of money on say digital marketing Mm -hmm. hiring a VA you know what you need you need this and this is coming from people that are right at the top Mm-hmm. Or people lower down and they they all think they know it unfortunately mm-hmm. you only know what's in your pocket you know how you're funding it you know if you're mm-hmm. a single single mum like me it's an extremely difficult decision and um journey even mm-hmm. more it's a lot more harder there's no other financial support there's mm-hmm. no backing if things go wrong so my worry is and my advice is don't all you know do all the studying that you need to do but only invest in what you really need to invest mm-hmm. really make sure that your product is worthy at the beginning and it's selling loads and then do it do everything in stages don't run before you can walk that is the biggest learning curve for me yeah I love that because I think sometimes there's always like trends sort of like in the business space and the entrepreneurial space there's always trends to say oh you must invest in this or you must invest in that and without that you're not going to get anywhere but like you said everyone's circumstances are unique and that has a massive impact on what the best decision for you should be um even like coming for myself like doing branding and things like that I have clients who for example I had a client who was spending like maybe like £30,000 in product on her initial stock. Obviously, the amount of investment that she would need for marketing and branding is going to be like a much higher level than someone who's maybe ordering like pre-formulated, like a a hundred pre-formulated products. Like they don't need a £4,000 branding package to carry that those sales. They can probably sell that to the school mums to begin with and to see how it sells. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, so so that's exactly what you do. You do smaller quantities, um, decide whether you want pre-formulated or not. You know, if you're a brand that wants to be a manufacturer like Hair Loving, because we're a manufacturer as well, mm-hmm. even though obviously I don't own the factory, don't get me wrong, but it's our formula, it's not pre-formulated. Mm-hmm. But even so, you have to financially be careful with how much you've bitten off. Um, you, you want to go completely tiny, um, focus on one channel of sales maybe first and then open up to omni-channel because you are fed no you need to be here there and everywhere Mm -hmm. unfortunately you spread yourself thinly um, you have a panic but of course that's not going to help anyone and you don't want to be going backwards rather than forwards Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good bit of advice because you can even apply that to social media as well which is what I've experienced over the last like couple of years where I've been trying really hard to be everywhere and then I just end up completely losing my um strategy like I can't keep up with it whereas this year I'm focusing on like just being on Instagram managing that getting that literally systemized to a T so I can just basically then move on to another platform really easily Mm -hmm. so I guess it's the same with um retail and selling channels as well 
Mm -hmm. and don't don't rush yourselves you know there you know I I've personally learned what has and hasn't worked mm -hmm. and it's taken a very long time to learn and even then I'm learning because the market's changing marketing yeah. changing consumer, yeah um, habits are changing competitors habits are changing as well so there's a lot to look into a lot to think about and just breathe and then <laughs> get on with it yeah what I always think about like with business is it's sort of like to me it feels like if you're learning a language where it's like in the beginning you're trying to learn just the foundations but you still cannot speak that language at all and then as time goes on it becomes a natural way of speaking and a way of communicating yeah, a way absolutely. of thinking it almost becomes like instinctual some of the decisions yeah. that you're making because you know your business really well and you get to know the market and you can almost preempt changes and all of those things it's like um a skill that you're kind of building yeah absolutely Just when, you are work, um, when you get a new job you you're completely different to if you've been in the job for three six to twelve months mm -hmm. you're a completely different person your employers will tell you the same thing hopefully they will tell you you're not going backwards yeah <laughs> with business it is exactly the same um yeah um so Thinking about, obviously, you mentioned about where to um, invest, how much to invest, and choosing what's right for you. What would be like your, so obviously, we work together on branding and design. How would you, like, what advice would you offer someone who is looking to hire a designer or a social media manager or a copywriter? How would you advise them to choose the right person for them? I think going back to budget, firstly, um, narrow it down to say three to four organizations, companies or people or freelancers, for example, definitely go for freelancers, definitely go, do not go for large companies. And everyone will tell anyone that's going to tell you that you're not going to get a better price is probably out there for the money anyway. Mm -hmm. like you and I have never discussed money to the extent where you need to close the deal with me mm -hmm. at the beginning and I remember that quite succinctly so I would definitely go for um, choosing a number of freelancers first go on LinkedIn maybe have a look around see whose work you like is very important mm -hmm. because that's going to be the focal point and the the end not the end, but that will be a continuation of where you start. If you've got a good artwork designer to begin with, then everything will fall into place. If you've got a good social media person to begin with, everything will fall into place. But a lot of the time, we're not as lucky as that. Mm -hmm. I got lucky with yourself, but for other aspects of hair loving, I probably didn't. I probably mm -hmm. had to chop and change a lot of people to get mm -hmm. to where I'm satisfied with that particular freelancer or organization that is helping hair loving or mm -hmm. employee um yeah going into employees as well we've employed a number of people who we've had to let go because mm -hmm. they just weren't performing so there's you know give give it three months for example if it's someone in say business development if they haven't made you any money then obviously you, three months is probably too long as well that mm -hmm. is definitely something I've learned so <laughs> <unfortunately>. <laughs> Yeah, then it's like over time you build up your team of sort of trusted people, don't mm -hmm. you? Absolutely. Even the same for me, where now I, when I first started Sugar Branded, I was doing all the things I was doing 
um, website design. I was doing the branding, which I still do, some social media stuff. But now I have partners who I trust to give to my to give my clients to who do the website design mm. and do copywriting because they're amazing at what they do. But it definitely takes time to find those people. And also sometimes the right person for one business isn't the right person for another. So it's not to say that one person is better than another necessarily. It's kind of like to do with what your business needs at that time or like you said with finding the person that is good for you to begin with so especially in terms of design it's really important to find someone that shares the design style that you're looking for because you can't really explain you can't explain that creative no no if we go back to yourself Mm. you were actually a recommendation because Mm. I saw um, and worked very closely with another brand who would always be at exhibition. So when I struck up a conversation with her, um, she recommended you. And the second recommendation for for yourself mm-hmm. came from someone that also um, works in the industry, in the product industry, who was a buyer, who also knew her as well. So it was almost like two people kind of recommended you. Yeah, which is great. I love to hear that. <laughs> Most of my clients do come from recommendation and I like that as well because it means that I'm also getting people that I love to work with too. Um, so yeah, I love to hear that. I do have a really close network of, of clients for sure that kind of know each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, I have one last question for you and I would love to know, and I don't know if this is going to be like secret or something like that, but if you weren't, um running hair loving and had your hair oils brand um obviously we do have a few like exciting things we're working on at the moment together but outside of that would you imagine yourself launching any other products or um, is there anything else that you'd like be interested in doing in the future if it was outside of like the hair product space um I think having done luxury in hindsight though now but having delved into luxury Mm -hmm. I would probably do completely the opposite and see how a very reduced margin but high quantity and um, turnover product would perform yeah of products would perform yeah I think that would be very interesting to also um have worked on in the past but it's too late at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hard thing with with products. It's kind of hard to pivot because you have a lot invested in what's going on at the moment. But it's so interesting that you said that because I feel like I, this year, I've kind of been doing the same thing with my business, kind of experimenting and dabbling in doing really small projects that are higher quantity, which is actually what I started off doing initially unintentionally. Mm. Then I kind of moved to only taking on really big branding projects. And now I kind of feel like I want to see um the impact of doing lower, you know, lower unit costs and higher volume and see how that yeah. impacts my business yeah. over next year. I think with business you can't you have to wait and see how trends happen and you have to kind of give it time to yeah. see the impact of things. I think sometimes people forget that as well is that nothing is an overnight change you're not going to make a decision tomorrow and then see the results of it you have to literally put things in place and maybe the changes yeah be consistent with yeah. it yeah if you're oh. consistent for a number of years then it will work if you think you're going to be an overnight success story anyone that says they've been an overnight success have been lying to you most mm-hmm. likely I would say 98 percent of quote unquote overnight success stories 
are saying it for the story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's so important for anyone who's listening to this, who's like a newcomer to the beauty industry or thinking about launching a product is to just remind yourself that even if it appears that people have got it good overnight, it's very, very rare that that actually happens. There's probably going to be a lot of failures behind that success to get to that point. Absolutely. And hopefully a lot of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Nadia, thank you so much for thank your you. time today. It's been really great to speak with you in like a different context to um, us working together. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you would like to share that you've got coming up that's exciting that people can keep their eyes peeled for? Yes, we have got a, uh, we're working on a shampoo and a conditioner. So mm -hmm. that's exciting stuff that should be with us in 2024, which is obviously this year, mid, mid, um, mid 2024, fingers mm -hmm. crossed. That's all going through testing right now as we speak. And we're really, really excited to be working on that project with you, Rebecca, as well. Mm -hmm. as and I've, I've smelled the samples. They smell amazing. And I think it's going to be an amazing you, product as well. I'm glad you like them. We, <laughs> yeah, they're delicious. They smell delicious. You want to eat them, but you can't because you've got to put them on your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I lovely hair instead. <laughs> Okay, cool. And what I'll do is I'll put um like your social links and things in the description so people can check out the hair loving page and shop the oils as well as um have a nose on your social media. I hope you enjoyed this most recent episode of the Profitable Brands podcast. Remember, if you have any questions about any of the content we spoke about in this episode, you can always reach out to me directly on Instagram. My account is at sugarbranded. And there's so many different ways that I can support you on your branding journey to start growing your business, opening yourself up to new opportunities, launching a product line, or just getting your first few clients. All of the information on my branding services can be found in the details of this episode. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.